All right, let's take our Bibles tonight, and we are going to be in the book of Esther, the book of Esther, and the best way to find the book of Esther is to, if you go to Psalms, everybody knows where that's at, about in the middle of your Bible, go back to the left, two books, Uh, the first book you come to is Job, then you come to the book of Esther, and uh, Esther, we're going to um, uh, read chapter 3, and uh, I'm going to read down here just for a few verses uh, in chapter 3, and we've been uh, preaching, last Sunday night I preached on uh, a message on faulty philosophies, and uh, we looked at uh, a man in the New Testament uh, named Diotrephes, and uh, we looked at the faulty philosophy that he tried to that he lived by and tried to bring into the church. And of course, was that was the fact that he thought he could have the preeminence instead of Jesus Christ having the preeminence. And by the way, it didn't work out well for him. And as we're going to see as we preach through these, it doesn't work out for anyone very well. And when they have a faulty philosophy against the Word of God. Amen. And so uh, we're going to look at a man tonight who had a faulty philosophy, and his name was Haman, a man named Haman. Uh, by the way, I thought it very interesting, God's timing on stuff. And uh, listen, folks, God just, I, I, lo- I don't have to see God to know He's real. Amen. The way He intertwines and works things, and I didn't even realize until I started uh, studying for this message, did anybody know what the Jews celebrated this week? Anybody know? The Feast of Purim. Right? You know what the Feast of Purim is? It's the story we're going to read tonight. Amen? And so it's kind of cool how the Lord works all that together. And so if you find your place, stand with me together. And uh, we're going to read verses 1 uh, one through 10, Esther chapter 3. Here's what the Bible says. And these things did King Ahasuerus promote Haman, the son of Hamodatha, the Agai, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes that were with him. And all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reverenced Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence. Then the king's servants, which were in the king's gate, said unto Mordecai, Why transgressest thou the king's commandment? Now it came to pass, when they spake daily unto him, that he hearkened not unto them, and then that, that, that they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's matters would stand, for he had told them he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath. And he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had showed him the people of Mordecai. Wherefore Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, even the people of Mordecai. In the first month, that is the month Nisan, in the twelfth year of the king Ahasuerus, they cast pur, that is the lot, before Haman from day to day and from month to month, to the twelfth month, that is the month Adar. And Haman said unto the king Ahasuerus, There's a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of thy kingdom and their laws are diverse from all people neither keep they the king's laws therefore it's not for the king's prophet to suffer them if it please the king let it be written that they may be destroyed and I will pay 10,000 talents of silver to the hands of those that have the charge of the business to bring it to the king's treasuries and the king took his ring from his hand and gave it unto Haman the son of Hamadetha the Agaite the Jews enemy let's pray Lord we love you tonight we thank you for all you've done for us God what a Wonderful opportunity to be in your house, God. And I pray you'd speak to us tonight through the preaching. Lord, as we look at this uh, amazing story in the book of Esther, and uh, Lord, look at this man named Haman and learn some things that will help us today. We love you and we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. 
Now, I love the book of Esther. The book of Esther is a very interesting uh, story. And in fact, out of all the books of the Bible, God's name is really not mentioned once in the book of Esther, but uh, God's uh, providential hand and His care for His people is seen all throughout the book. And it's a very interesting story. And of course, the enemy of this story is a man named Haman. Haman was an opportunist. Haman longed for personal glory and would stop nothing to advance himself. Pride was Haman's besetting sin. By the way, a sin that would not end well for him. And we'll look at that here in a few moments. Here's the faulty philosophy that Haman lived by. He believed that he could mark the Jews for destruction without consequence. Mark the Jews for destruction without consequence. And you know what? We'll translate that into uh, what we see today in our day and age. But we're going to find out real quick that you know what? Uh, You're not going to win a battle of wills against Almighty God. You're not going to try to stand up against God and and have it your way with God and come out on top. That never works, nor will it ever work. Amen? Listen to me, folks. Come on. What this world's doing and and all these uh, people in in, in high places being controlled by spiritual wickedness in higher places, amen, they think they're the ones controlling this thing. They sit up there with their arrogant looks on their faces, men like Bill Gates and George Soros and all these other people thinking they're pulling the strings. Let me tell you, folks, when this thing's all said and done, God's winning this thing. Amen? There ain't nobody going to stand up against God's plan and, and come against Almighty God and think they're going to win. Amen? Even the Antichrist, the false prophet, Satan himself, the Bible tells us what's going to happen to him one of these days. Amen? They're going to be cast alive into the lake of fire. And they're going to find out the same thing we're going to read about tonight about Haman going to find out. You are not going to come against God. You're not going to come against God's people and expect there to be no consequence for that. Now particularly, we see Haman hated the Jews. Amen. By the way, there's a lot of anti-Semitism in this world today. Amen. Hating the Jews. And let me just say this, folks. Amen. I understand the history. I do not believe in replacement theology. That means this, that God replaces Israel with the church. That is not a biblical thing to believe. Again, stay off the internet and get your doctrine. There's a lot of people out there teaching that false doctrine. A lot of supposed even Baptists that are teaching that the church has replaced Israel and the Jews today aren't even God's chosen people. That is a lie from the pits of hell. And you better be careful believing that stuff. Amen? Here's what the God promised Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. He said this, I will bless them that bless thee, and I will, uh, thou shalt be a bless thee, and a curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And by the way, that promise that was given then is still good for today. And I understand where nation, the nation of Israel is at. They're in apostasy right now. And you know what? God, uh, for the church age, and by the way, we better be glad God did it. Amen? Because we Gentiles would never have a hope if God didn't uh, set Israel on uh, on the shelf for a little bit and turn His attention to the Gentiles. Amen? But let me tell you, God's not done with His people. All right, the church of Jesus Christ, for the main part, we're mainly made up of Gentiles. There are a few Jews that are saved. Praise God for that. Amen. But we're mainly, we're mainly a Gentile bride. And Jesus Christ, we're a spouse to Him. And one of these days when that trumpet sounds, we're going to heaven. We're, uh, we're, we're the bride. He's the bridegroom. And guess what? When Jesus takes His bride away up into heaven, guess what God's going to do again? He's going to turn His attention back to His wife, which is Israel. By the way, Israel is married to God the Father. The church is married to Jesus Christ. 
Study the Bible. It's in there. Amen? All right? And so all that to say, listen to me, folks. As the church of Jesus Christ today in 2022, we need to make sure that we have the right attitude toward the Jewish people. Amen? The Bible says we ought to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We ought to pray for God's people. We ought to support them the best way we can. Uh, we ought to when God gives us opportunity. And by the way, there's not a, a ton of them out there. But as God would allow us to support missionaries that are reaching the Jewish people, we ought to be a part of that. Amen? Because the Bible says to the Jew first and also to the Greek, right? And so let's look at Haman tonight. And I won't keep you real long. And uh, this is actually uh, famous last words of a preacher. A shorter message than normal, right? We'll just see how that goes. Amen? We'll just see how that goes. All right, let me tell you the story. I love this story. It's a phenomenal story. It's, a, um, it's just an amazing story of God's providential care of His people. And for sake of time, I'm not going to take you through every detail, but let me just kind of give you an overview, all right? If you go back to Esther chapter 1, you read about a man named King Ahasuerus. And he threw a banquet, and he wanted to show off his queen Vashti. Of course, she refused to come to the banquet. And uh, by the way, the king back in those days had a lot of power. And the king was not to be trifled with, so he called a council and was advised to strip Vashti of all her powers and her position, which he did. And by the way, folks, this was orchestrated by God to create an opening so that God could place Esther as queen, here's what it says, for such a time as this. And by the way, folks, listen again. Mankind thinks they, they're the ones making these political decisions. The Bible tells us that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever He will. You know why Joe Biden's president? Because God wanted him to be. As hard as that is, is a pill to swallow because he's destroying our country, destroying our nation. Preacher, you're not supposed to talk about politics in the pulpit. Well, guess what? This ain't a politically correct church, amen? He's destroying our nation. Amen? But truth be told, folks, think about this. God's allowing it to happen. Amen? And the reason God's doing it is the same reason God allowed political things to happen in, in Esther's day so He could get things where He wanted them. Amen? And God, listen, folks, God's ultimately in control of all of this stuff. So Esther was uh, uh, brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. Well, we're given some uh, specific circumstances on how Esther came to be under the roof of this man named Mordecai. Now, Mordecai uh, is, uh, was uh, Esther's caretaker. He was her older cousin. He took her in because her parents had died, more than likely in the captivity. The Bible tells us that she also possessed rare beauty. And what's important uh, about Esther wasn't just her outward appearance, wasn't just the outward beauty, it's what made her truly beautiful, and that was her inward sweet spirit and strong faith toward God. And let me just say this, young ladies, and, and you know what? I think, yes, I, no, I, I think all young ladies want to want to look beautiful on the outside, but the best way to do that is be beautiful on the inside. Amen? And that inward beauty will radiate out on your outward countenance. And what a wonderful example Esther was. And Esther's example teaches us the importance of learning to trust God, not to lose our faith despite our inability to understand the heartbreaking events of life. So Esther, of course, is selected as the new queen. She tells no one that she's a Jew. The hand of God is evident as He places her in that position to later save her people. Mordecai was also placed by God in a place and time to hear an assassination plot against King Ahasuerus. And it was used to save the king's life. This was written down in the book of the Chronicles of the King. And so 
Here we have the villain of the story. Here we have the man with the faulty philosophy, and that's the man named Haman. Who is Haman? Haman's the right, uh, the king's right-hand man. He's promoted by the king. He's pompous. He's a pretentious man who cannot enjoy his new status and responsibilities because of the one man named Mordecai that won't bow down to him. Right. Haman's filled with rage against Mordecai because he won't bow down uh, to his presence. And uh, because of that, and uh, he begins to devise a plot. He finds out that Mordecai is a Jew. He decides not to just destroy Mordecai, but to destroy his entire race. By the way, I think there was a diabolical, diabolical plot behind that one. Amen? Yeah. A plot to destroy the Jewish people. And so Haman buys the king's cooperation, sets in motion a plan to destroy every Jew in the kingdom. A date is chosen, a decree issued that will order all in the kingdom to kill every Jewish family. And the reward for doing that was that they could take their possessions and take their spoil. So the Jewish people were in a bad place here. They were in a, a bad spot because of this man named uh, Haman. While the Jews fret, fast, and pray, Haman orders a 75-foot gallow to be constructed so that he can hang Mordecai on the execution date. There seems to be no hope for God's people. Evil seems destined to triumph. Kind of like in our day and age, you look around. As the world grows darker and darker and the, the wave, uh, the tidal wave of evil seems to be sweeping across our land, sweeping across the world, it seems bleak, amen? But you know what? As we sang, sang the song tonight, guess what, folks? God's still on the throne, amen? He's still there. God made a promise to Abraham back in Genesis. We just read it. And that's the fact that God would bless His people. He would be with His people, Mordecai wears sackcloth, fast, and prays. Esther is told of the evil plot of Haman. Mordecai exhorts her to appeal to the king. Esther asks all the Jews to fast and pray. She hazards her own life by appearing before the king without being summoned. And again, I'm going quickly through this. You can read the details of it if you go back through and read the book of Esther. But Esther then asks the king to come to a banquet uh, on the morrow that she's preparing for him and to bring Haman also. And so, of course, that night, the sleepless king... He discovers that story of Mordecai. Again, folks, God is doing all this. Amen? Talks about uh, when you read the detail in the chapter about how the king couldn't sleep. Who do you think kept the king awake that night? Amen? The king just so happened to have the, the book of Chronicles read to him. Not the book of Chronicles in the Bible, but the book of Chronicles of what was going on in the kingdom. And the story was told of about this man named Mordecai that saved his life. And so, you think that was by accident? You think that that was just, you know, just happened to happen that way? Of course not. God was working in the background. Of course, uh, the next day, the, uh, the, the banquet, and uh, they, they, uh, they come to the banquet, and uh, Haman is summoned and commanded to parade Mordecai through the streets in royal array, honoring him for saving the king. You imagine Haman all of a sudden these turn of events where he thought he was coming out on top, his pride and arrogancy and having those gallows constructed. Here he thought he was going to be the one to have the last laugh. Well, arriving at the banquet with the king, Esther tells of Haman's evil plot against her people. The king, his anger begins to boil. Haman falls on Esther's bed to beg for mercy. The king steps back in the room and discovers Haman in this compromised position. He orders Haman hanged on the very gallows he had constructed for the execution of Mordecai. 
Mordecai is then promoted to Haman's now vacant uh, position. The Jewish people then receive a new order from the king. They're allowed to defend themselves and their property. Amen. The fear of the king's newfound fondness of God's people curbs the evil plot against them. And God's people celebrate their deliverance and what is now known today as the Feast of Purim. Celebrated this last Wednesday and Thursday throughout Israel. In fact, I read a little bit about that, a feast that uh, almost 2,500 years ago, they're celebrating an event that happened. It's said that what they do, even to this day, it happened this last week, that they go throughout the nation of Israel having parades, and it's almost like a time of celebration, almost like for us, a, a, a July 4th Independence Day. And they say that to this day, they will say the word Haman, and all the children will boo when they say the name Haman. They still do it to this day, celebrating the Feast of Purim, how that God delivered them from that evil man named Haman and his faulty philosophy of thinking that he could mark the Jews for destruction without consequence. Amen. Now, that was the information. Let me give you the quick principles that we can learn from this. All right, let me just give you several things and then we'll have our fellowship. Amen. Number one, every Christian ought to understand the difference between two particular words in the Bible, and those are the words blessed and cursed. Blessed and cursed. By the way, folks, God has not hidden from us the secrets to receiving His blessing, nor has He failed to warn us of the actions and attitudes that bring upon a divine curse. And by the way, you know what, folks? The God of the, uh, the Old Testament still the God of the New Testament. Amen? And I understand we don't live under the ordinances of the law, but God hasn't changed His mind about things that really tick Him off. Amen? And if they ticked Him off then, they still tick Him off today because the Bible says God changes not. Amen? And let me tell you, it'd be wise for us as Christians to read through the Scripture and figure out what it is that God says, if you do this, I'm going to curse you. If you do this, I'm going to bless you. And by the way, it still applies to us today. Amen? Still applies. In fact, Israel. Man, this is, if you're reading through, if you're following your Bible reading schedule, you've just read through this recently or reading through it now. But when, when God brought them into the promised land, He literally had them. Think about this for a minute. He had him come up on two mountaintops that were fairly close together. And they would read the things that would be a curse. And the one people on the mountaintop on the one side would, would, would read the curse. And the other people on the mountain on the other side would read the blessing. And you know what? Deuteronomy chapter 28, you ought to go back and read it for sake of time. We're not going to go there tonight. But let me tell you something, folks. There are some very specific things that God says, if you do this, I'll bless you. If you do this, I'll curse you. Now, come on, folks, life's hard enough. You really want God against you as a Christian? Life's hard enough living life the right way with God with you because of the sin curse and everything else we've got to deal with. Why in the world would you want God's His hand against you as a Christian? Well, it's just bad luck. No, you're, you're, you're disobedient and living under the curse of God. That's what the Bible says, Amen. I remember a particular young man that used to go to our Christian school and, and you know what, he didn't really want to do what the rules were. He wanted to do his own thing. And, and by the way, free will, he could do what he wants. God doesn't stop us from exhorting our free will. He got out in life and figured out living for self away from God wasn't an easy life. And he'd call me up and I'd try to help him as much as I could. Finally, one day he called me up and was telling me all his woes and all this and all that. And I'd ask him, I said, listen to me. You're calling me up and saying this. Are you, did, were you in church Sunday? No. I said, did you give your tithes and offering Sunday? No. I said, let me tell you what your problem is. You're living under the curse of God because you're disobedient. 
and I love you, and I want you to get right, but you'll never get right until you start obeying the Word of God. Click. Didn't want to hear that. But you know what? That's the truth. Amen? So come on, Christian. Let's get in the book. Let's figure out what it is that God will bless us for, what it is God will curse us for, and start obeying. Amen? Number two, God has promised to bless those who bless the Jews and curse those that curse the Jews. And this goes back to what I said earlier, folks. The Jewish people are still God's chosen people. And again, I understand where they're at, where they fit into Bible prophecy. But we as Christians still need to have the right attitude toward the Jewish people. Amen? Never be prejudiced against Jewish people. By the way, we shouldn't be prejudiced against anybody. Let alone the Jewish people. I'm going to tell you, folks, there's a hatred for the Jews out there. You know where it comes from? Start sniffing a little bit and you'll figure out where it comes from. It comes, comes from old smutty face himself. You'll sniff and you'll smell some brimstone. Amen? Because this idea about being prejudiced against God's chosen people, you will put yourself under a personal curse of God for doing so. Amen? You ought, to, you ought to pray for the Jewish people. Pray that God would open their eyes to the truth. One of these days they will be open to the truth. There are still some people out there who, who are uh, what they call a messianic Jews. They're, they're, they're Jewish people who have they're, they're, they're 100% a Jewish blood, but they've come to recognize the Messiah right now as opposed to later, going through the tribulation and all the things they're going to have to deal with, and they're saved now, and they're trying to reach their own people. But it's a tough job. But we still need to pray for them. Amen? Let me just say this. You make sure, personally, as a Christian, you have the right attitude toward God's chosen people. Number three, here's the next thing we see. We see that this, man, don't miss this. Bless, the word bless, is a positive, active word. You know what that means? There's no room for being neutral. Every Christian should look for opportunities to be a blessing, be a blessing, to be actively be a blessing to God's chosen people. Amen? Actively to be a blessing. It's something you ought to be uh, on, on the offense about. Amen. And again, that's why when, when there is, when I find, a, when, I heard, when I hear of missionaries that are trying to reach Jewish people, I want to be involved in that. Amen. I want God to know that, Lord, yes, we, we want to reach everybody, but we also want to have a heart to try to bless your people. By the way, it's illegal to be a, 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 a to call yourself a missionary and be in Israel. In fact, there was a, there was a man who was a native-born, uh, he was a Messianic Jew, he was a Christian, and, and he was in Israel, and uh, his name was Brother Alex. And uh, he, in fact, when I, when I used to be at Blessed Hope, I remember him coming through there, and he, was, he had started a Baptist church in Israel. You talk about hated. In fact, a couple years ago, he died unexpectedly. Come to find out, they think he was assassinated. Because he was in there, in the nation of Israel. By the way, remember those Jews back in Jesus' day? The, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all those that opposed Jesus? They're still alive and well today. They call them the Orthodox Jews. Okay? They, they hate anybody trying to proclaim Jesus Christ as Messiah. In fact, I've heard of a lot of missionaries who have gone to the nation of Israel and have actually got kicked out because of the fact that they come to find out they were trying to spread that Jesus, to preach the true gospel, amen? 
And so I understand that there may not be a ton of missionaries trying to do that. But listen, if we find some that are, we're going to be a part of that. Amen? Because we need to be a part of actively trying to bless the Jewish people. And by the way, you know what? Sometimes, now, I understand where we're at. Rural, rural southern Indiana may not be a big concentration of them here. But, you know, there are a lot of Jewish people within the United States of America. Amen. And again, folks, we need to do everything we can to be a blessing. I remember one time I went to a uh, the NRA show up in uh, Indianapolis at the convention center. And uh, if you've never been to something like that, you need to get right with God. Amen. That's a good place to go as a Christian. But uh, anyway, uh, we uh, we were up there, and I was going to, of course, nine acres of guns under roof. And I thought I died, went to heaven. Amen. I mean, that was phenomenal. But uh, we were up there, and and there was a a a, a booth, if you will, and uh, where there was some guys and they were from Israel. And they were displaying some of their, their, their weapons. And by the way, Israeli technology is pretty awesome. Okay? In fact, uh, side note, chasing a rabbit trail for a minute, right? I, how do I bless the nation of Israel? I buy armament that's made in Israel. Amen? Right? I got accessories on my guns that says made in Israel. I'm blessing God's people. Amen? Right? Come on now. Right? But um, I saw those guys. They told me they were from Israel. And, and I asked him, I said, um, uh, and I think I threw him off. Because again, folks, most Israelis today, they don't think biblically at all. Okay, in fact, you know Tel Aviv is the sodomite capital of the world? And it's wicked, I'm, I'm just saying. But they're still God's people, okay? And, and I said to him, uh, and I said, hey, what tribe are you from? <laughs> they looked, looked at me like I was weird. They're like, what? I said, the Bible, the 12 tribes, they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I said, well, let me just say this to you. I said, you know what? Uh, I'm a Christian. And I said, I love the Israeli people. You don't know me, but you know what? I love you. It's kind of looked at me like I was strange and weird. They never heard someone say something like that to them before. But you know what? I said it to them anyway. Amen? Because as Christians, we ought to love and bless God's chosen people. By the way, we're going to be sharing eternity with them one of these days. Right? So we better love them and care for them. Number four, a nation who stands by Israel will be a blessed nation. A nation who curses Israel will be a cursed nation. I don't even have time to get into this tonight, but I have a very interesting book. It's called As America Has Done to Israel. And what it does, it charts Israel, or America's political policies, how we've treated Israel, and what God has done to America based upon how we've treated Israel. Very, very interesting. I think in a message last year, I told you the story of Hurricane Katrina and how that uh, uh, we, were stand, we, were, we were trying to keep Jewish settlements from happening in a particular place. And the day that our president, all right, the day that our president signed the agreement to expel the Jews from their settlement was the day Katrina formed and decimated the southern part of the United States. And that's not just one story. There are literally scores and scores of stories as, as America and our political policies toward Israel, God's judgment upon our nation based upon that. Amen? And you know what? You can like it, you can lump it, but what President Trump did in declaring Jerusalem, that recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, that was a blessing to America. Call it what you want. Like Trump, hate Trump, I don't care. All right, but I'll just say this. His policies toward Israel helped America. 
Let me tell you, the reason America, uh, we saw some financial success and economic success under President Trump wasn't just because the fact that he was a savvy businessman, although I'm sure that uh, led to some of it. A lot of it, uh, unbeknownst to a lot of people, was because of his policies toward the nation of Israel. And so goes Israel as far as how we treat them, so goes America. You can chart it, amen? That's Bible. Like it, lump it, shout, pout. I don't care. It's Bible, amen? And so you know what? We need to make sure as best we can, and again, I understand we're just a vote. We're just a voice. But we need to vote for political leaders who are for the nation of Israel. And then last of all, let me say this. A church who supports Jewish missions will receive unique blessings. As individuals in a church, we need to make sure that we are a blessing to God's chosen people. Because let me tell you, the faulty philosophy Naaman had, thinking he could fight against God, win a battle of wills against God, particularly in this area against God's chosen people, you know how it ended for him? Swinging from the neck of the gallows he made for Mordecai. By the way, you know how it's going to end for the world? Okay? Read it. Revelation chapter 19. All the nations of the earth gathered together in the valley of Megiddo to fight against God's chosen people, to fight against Jesus Christ Himself. By the way, who is a Jew? Fight against Jesus Christ Himself. You know how that's going to end? Yes, sir. Their blood flowing through the valley of Jezreel. Right? right? Almost 10 feet deep. Uh, uh, 200 feet long. 30 miles wide through that valley. The blood of the enemies of the world who stand against God. Amen? So guess what? Let's not, as Christians, be part of that faulty philosophy. Amen? And let's make sure that uh, uh, we, as Christians, love the Jewish people, do everything we can to be a blessing to the Jewish people. And then again, folks, listen to me. We can translate that into our own personal lives of understanding we're not going to fight against God and win. Listen, just obey the Bible. Okay? If God says to do it, do it! If God says not to do it, don't do it! It's that simple. Why are we complicating this thing? Amen? Nobody's fighting against God and winning. Right? Let's pray. Lord, we love you.